0: However, accessory dwelling units, if I can build in Los Angeles a 800-square-foot structure – for 125 grand, and it's going to rent for $2,500 a month. And that completely changes the game.
1: Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Theo Hicks. And today... We'll be speaking with Aaron Norris. Aaron, how are you doing today?
0: Great, thanks for having me.
2: No problem, and thanks for joining us today. A little bit about Aaron. He is the VP of Market Insights for Property Radar. He started investing in real estate at the age of five, helping his dad with his flipping business. He is currently building his 12th build-to-rent property, and he has 20 years of experience in private construction notes. He is based in Los Angeles and the website is propertyradar.com. So Aaron, do you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today?
0: Sure. I did start flipping houses with dad at age 5. My first memory is sucking cockroaches off a wall as the family was tearing up the uh, carpet of a really ugly <laughs> house that my dad bought. I enjoyed growing up as a kid finding treasures and I just thought that was the coolest thing. After I graduated from high school, I did end up moving to New York City and becoming a professional actor. In between gigs, I fell into Wall Street doing merger and acquisition presentations and sort of fell in love with the data side. Got into marketing and PR. And long story short, I ended up in the hard money loan and real estate investment business with my father, Bruce Norris, who's actually been on the show, I think a couple years ago. And last year, I have always wanted to be in technology. So a tool that I had been using for a number of years, Property Radar. They went national in November and I got brought on as their industry expert and I work with media. So on top of my real estate career and still private lending and building houses, I work with media and I teach real estate investors, realtors, and mortgage professionals to get dangerous with data. It ain't just for Wall Street anymore. So
2: you kind of got a lot going on. What's your main focus? What do you spend most of your time doing? Is that property radar?
0: Yeah. Property radar keeps me very busy educating nationwide, working with different real estate investment clubs, and really cluing real estate investors into what kind of data is available, mortgage people, property, and the opportunities into really backing into a niche, spending less money, and being able to talk to the right people more often. So I call it right-bound marketing, right person, right channel, right time, right message.
2: Let's talk about that. So you said that data isn't just for Wall Street anymore, and you're teaching people how to use data. Do you work with all types of real estate professionals, or do you focus on a specific type of real estate professional?
0: I think we're best known for real estate investors. Started 13 years ago, Sean O'Toole was buying at the courthouse steps, did over a hundred, ended up on 60 minutes because he saw the writing on the wall and he launched foreclosure radar before the foreclosure crisis even occurred. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he completely disrupted the data game then where a local real estate investor would be spending $1,000 per county if you were going to go to the courthouse steps. All of a sudden, it's under $100 a month. It was really life-changing if you were at the courthouse steps. So real estate investors is probably a a big niche of ours from people doing subject to, to development of accessory dwelling units to equity sellers, vacant properties. We have over 200 fields to be able to do some research. So you give me a niche and I'll probably not only tell you which data criteria you should use, but maybe creative ways to save even more money to better reach your target audience.
2: Perfect. So the outcome for the when people are coming to you to help them find data, is the outcome to find more deals, to generate leads? Is it to underwrite deals, is it to select the right market, or is it kind of all of the above?
0: It is all the above. One of the biggest mistakes I still see is a real estate investor who's twisting in the wind because they haven't decided what their chocolate is. And we have a conversation about chocolate versus peanut butter. Chocolate is who you bring to the business and the peanut butter is the data. And when you can marry those two is when it is most effective. So I sort of have this five question thing that I ask investors, like, are you an introvert or an extrovert? How much time do you have to be in the business? How much money do you have to be in the business? And how much experience do you have? And then finally, I ask them what their background is. I'm a professional artist from New York City, and how I got into this is a very different route, but I've been able to be successful because I have a very clear idea of who I am and what I don't like and what I do like. You talk to me about, even though I'm an extrovert, door-knocking that's not the existence I really want. So I've really learned that I love being a landlord and what that means and creating deals and value. But somebody who's an extrovert that doesn't have a lot of money. Okay. What are the different paths we can send you to where you'll get more successful, more quickly and really fall in love with the business. If you're an introvert with no time, no money, and no experience, and I tell you to go door knocking, you're going to hate me.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about I'm trying to think of something that would be universal. Let's talk about just finding a market. That's something that is one of the first things you do before you're actually looking for deals. So if I come to you and I say, hey, Aaron, where should I be finding the best data to find the best market to invest in? And we'll just use rentals so you can be more specific. And I want to buy and hold rentals. What would you say to someone like that after you've kind of gone through those five questions and you find out that that is actually something that works for them?
0: Great question. And especially when it comes to rental, it's really a matter of cap rate, what your target rate of return is. So it's going to to vary. And I'm going to give you a really specific example. One of the things I've been talking about a lot for the last several years is accessory dwelling units here in California. I was buying in California at the bottom of the market. So it really hurts my feelings in 2021 to buying a rental because the numbers really just don't make sense. What I'm going to buy it for and what I'm going to be able to rent it for after doing repairs. It's just not appropriate. However, accessory dwelling units if I can build in Los Angeles a 800 square foot structure for 125 grand and it's going to rent for $2500 a month and that completely changes the game. So, I found that there's typically opportunities in any market, it's just how to structure the deal and finding the opportunity and that's that hyper local niche knowing it better than anybody else. So, Cap rates, looking at an area that you're comfortable with. A lot of real estate investors don't like being more than a couple hours away from something that they're comfortable with or having boots on the ground that represent them. It's just backing into the area, feeling comfortable with the inventory that you're getting into, knowing that you have a team that you trust that can take care of you. So where would you
2: send them to? I'm trying to get a clear understanding. So if you told someone that they need to know about cap rates for the market that they're in a rate of return, do you then say, hey, here's all the data you need? Or do you tell them, hey, here's where you can find the data, or does it kind of depend on how much money they have and time they have, what direction to send them?
0: Sure. A lot of that's going to be the situation that they find themselves. If they don't have any money, the data that they're going to have to start tracking down, they're going to go down the path of absentee owners. And that's data that we definitely have within Property Radar, finding owners that maybe have owned for over 27 years and trying to get in the way of those deals, talking to them about structuring deals. So I really think that there's deals in any market. I always like to start in your own backyard. It's just making the numbers work for where you're at and what you're comfortable with. So absentee data, rental data, it's all within property radar. I didn't want this to be a pitch fest, so I'm trying to be mindful. Oh, no, no, no no problem.
1: We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless, from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting, go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash bestever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash bestever and remember to mention the Best Ever podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash bestever. or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved.
2: Something else too is you're talking about the accessory dwelling units in California. So what types of data sets to the things should people be looking for? Say they're picking the market in their backyard and they want to know what's the best opportunity for that area. California happened to be accessory dwelling units. So you can use that as an example or just be more general, but what data should I be looking at to figure out what's the best real estate to buy?
0: Sure. This is a great example of different ways to use data. We have over 200 fields, so there's lots of different ways to approach this. Number one is strictly from size of the lot. I was actually on a, a housing commission tasked with how do we build more affordable housing? And they were talking about some things my like, guys, we're thinking small. So I pulled up Property Radar and I showed them, let's look at properties where the lot square footage is 10,000 square foot and where a one-story house is 2,500, leaving us enough room on the lot to build a small accessory dwelling unit or secondary structure of around 8 to 1,200 square feet. We found out there was 5,000 lots met that criteria. Half of those were owned by real estate investors and half of those further were real estate investors who lived out of the area My suggestion to them was to reach out to those because if you want them to build it, these are experienced landlords, know how to be a landlord, have access to private capital, and can build these things at a good price and get you more units. So you can do it strictly from a function of the data on the property. Another way to approach it is maybe you know a specific area where there's an alley where if you've got a primary house that butts up against the front of the street and the alleys in the back, you can basically create a duplex situation where the person in the secondary unit in the back can approach from the back, which is really great. I also have zoning possibilities. So say in public records, I can look up L3 lots, so something that's zoned, sorry, R3, where there's a triplex, but on site is only a single family residence. Chances are you can end up increasing though. So in California, let's say that happens. That means if there's a single family home on the property, you can end up scraping that or figuring out a way to build three permitted units. And in California, that means you can also build three ADUs. So you could go from a single family residence to in essence, six units on one lot. Wow. Nerd alert. uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. So one more thing about that. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Guess what kind of financing is available for that? Even though it's six units, it's a three unit with three accessory dwelling units, for the sake of lenders, they see that as a three-unit. So you're still under Fannie one to four.
2: So how did you come up with these? I'm just curious. Those are three very specific things: the size of the lot that has extra space to build on, the alleyway for the duplex up upzoning. That something you just kind of just had a brainstorming session and came up with on your own, or did you hear it somewhere?
0: How did have, you come up with that? I have run several podcasts over the years. I've interviewed the state senators that have been in charge with forging this. Work of accessory dwelling units because we've been in need of more affordable housing. I interview the people doing the production side. What's the average square footage you need to quickly know when somebody calls you, like, hey, I want to build this? And what are the first questions you asked to know that it's appropriate to even show up? So, interviewing a lot of people and just experience and real estate investors who have gone down this path and built it, I've just been around a long time, I guess. I'm getting old.
2: What about data to find investors?
0: This is a good one. And I'm so glad you asked that. Inside Property Radar, you can search local flippers. And why I like this, it can capture flippers, but also eye buyers, finding out the buy box, if you will, of what they're buying and why. So a lot of times, if you look for the flippers in your area, you're able to see... Are they focusing on 1,500-square-foot, three-bedroom, two-bathroom? Who's your competition? Can you start to follow them, see what kind of level of rehab they're doing in the market, and how fast are they turning it? That kind of insight is so key, especially if you're new to a market, if you're entering in as a newbie. Success leave clues. You don't really need to recreate the wheel, and you need to make a decision if you can and will compete with those people, or you work around them and find a niche of your own that nobody else wants. What are I buyers? iBuyers buyers are cash as is wall street backed buyers zillow redfin offerpad open door knock they come in a few different flavors but here in california texas florida if you're a resident and you log into zillow you're going to have a button that says get your cash offer yeah, if you're yeah. in sacramento arizona <laughs> phoenix a lot of other markets and you own properties you probably got nailers from open door they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in the markets that they enter offering the very same thing that real estate investors do, as is cash, flexible closings, all that kind of good stuff. However, they don't do the ugly ones. They do the easy ones more and more. They don't want to do major rehabs and they certainly won't deal with people problems.
2: What about investors in a sense that I'm doing a project and I want to have someone be like a passive investor in my deal? Is that something you got to do as well?
0: Yeah, we track mortgage data. So yeah, you're saying if you're trying to find uh, private lenders, yeah, that's something that you can find in public records as people are recording transactions, you can hunt them down.
2: This is fascinating. So something like overall it's just once I figure out what I'm trying to do and the parties involved that I need to know about, I see need to just figure out exactly how I can learn as much as I possibly can about those people. So if I'm like a fix and flipper, then I want to focus on the competition, what they're doing. I want to figure out who's going to be my ideal buyer and get data on them. And it sounds like if I just come to someone at property, they'll kind of just figure all that out for me.
0: Well, we have a fantastic support team, but when you bring the chocolate to the party, it's fun. I'll I'll give you a real life example. Last week, I had a good friend call me and her specialty is she loves the 55 and over crowd. She really loves helping them. She's got a really strong network of estate planners, attorneys, CPAs, fiduciaries, all that kind of stuff. And she uses property radar. I'm like, okay, let's play. Let's look for people that own free and clear. So there's no mortgage that we've got their email address. Property radar pre-appends emails and phone numbers to ownership. So we're looking at owner-occupants, single-family homes in this specific area of California. How many people own free and clear? We create this list and then we start looking at insights, like how long have they owned the property? Why would they want to sell? If I'm going to start marketing to people, let's try to be strategic. I could do a blanket mailer, but why blow my entire marketing wad when I can get a lot more strategic so I can talk to the right people several times instead of blowing it all at once. So we had a lot of fun developing that list, and I gave her several ideas on how to back into that niche, which is super nichey, and different ways to help underwriter marketing. I was like, you need to be working with your local favorite CPA that specializes in working with seniors, fiduciaries. You need to join this estate planning group. So there's different ways that hyperlocal professionals can really back into their niche, not just by the data, but some of the strategic partnerships that they form.
2: Exactly. All right, Aaron, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: Just get started. Pull the trigger. <laughs> it sounds simple, but I see way too many people sit on the fence
2: it's interesting because a lot of people, a main reason why people don't get started is that analysis by paralysis, right? They're kind of overwhelmed by the data. Um, So maybe you kind of follow the question of that, especially working for or being an expert in data and the benefits of data. How do you balance those two things of not falling into analysis by paralysis at the same time, not just completely ignoring data? What's the right amount?
0: I would say focus on who you bring to the party. If you can find a niche that you can be really passionate about, I promise the data is there to back you up. And the mistake that people make is trying to be somebody that they're not. They show up to a real estate investor club and they go to these online forums and get inundated with all the different strategies that are out there and it doesn't resonate with them. And part of the analysis paralysis, they try to be something that they're going to be very uncomfortable being. It's okay to be you. There's room for you in the business. It's just discovering what that looks like and then backing it up with the data and killing it. I
2: love that. All right, Anna, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Okay, first, a quick word from our sponsor.
1: Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and, quite frankly, having fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket – you are put into a mini mastermind group of eight to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at BEC2022.com. That's BEC2022.com.
2: Okay, Aaron, what is the best ever book you've recently read?
1: The future is faster than you think. I like to study lots of
0: technology.
2: If your business would have collapsed today, what would you do next?
0: I would probably go into the nonprofit space for a while and take a break.
2: What's the best ever way you like to give back?
0: Time and talent.
2: Tell us about a time you lost money on a deal. How much money did you lose and what lesson did you learn?
0: I bought from a very popular wholesaler and was so excited. I probably didn't do enough due diligence. We walked through with the tenant. I lost probably 30 grand in the first two years because of deferred maintenance that I missed.
2: And then on the flip side, what's the best ever deal you've done?
0: It's the same deal. Oddly enough, California saved my behind. I sold it a few years ago for double and I turned it into three brand new houses that were each rented for what that one rental was rented for.
2: Might be the first time the best deal and the worst deal were the exact same deal. So that's uh, (laughs) that's, that's your award for the day. All right, Aaron, what is the best ever place to reach you?
0: If you ever have any questions on data, go to community.propertyradar.com. And if you have a question, I'm the one who answers.
2: Well, this has been a very fascinating conversation. You kind of just gave us a lot of examples of creative ways to use data to solve really any problem that you have as an investor or just to get started in in general. I really like those three examples you gave about identifying opportunities that I would imagine that there's not a lot of competition in that because not many people would even think of, for example, identifying buildings that have alleyways because it's very easy to convert that into a duplex because of the two Entry points or looking at the size or the zoning to see if you can build more. You also mentioned self data for markets, data for finding investors, and then the five questions or the five things that people need to think about in order to determine what's the right path for them. And that kind of also plays to your best ever advice, which is to get started, but at the same time, making sure that you first identify. The one thing that you want to do, again, based off of introvert, extrovert, time, money, experience, background, and then going to the data as opposed to starting out with the data and trying to use the data to figure out exactly what to do because you're really not going to do anything. What's more important is who you are and then using the data to crush that specific niche. So thank you so much for all the examples you gave and sharing your best of advice with us, Aaron. Best
0: of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best-ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.